Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That text line again is 720-336-0897. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if there are things going on in your life that you'd like uh, to discuss or you have prayer for. We'd love to discuss those things with you and pray for you. So um, welcome to the program. This is um, be happy to hear from you. Just a reminder that those of you listening out on the East Coast and the area of Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. So those of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, you're hearing the show live. So glad that you tuned in today. But we are syndicated on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland on Hope FM. And we're also syndicated in Tennessee and North Carolina and a little bit of Kentucky on Truth FM out there in the Appalachian region. So those of you listening uh, in on Hope FM and Truth FM, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, but those of you listening on Grace FM are listening live. So just a reminder of, for those of you on the East Coast, um, but we would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to call in, and then you have kind of the unique opportunity that you get to tune in the following week and listen to yourself, tell other people to tune in and listen to you on the radio. So that's a cool opportunity that you guys have. But you can also listen online anytime live to this show and all the other shows here on Grace FM by getting our mobile app. So just go into your app store and you can type in Grace FM into the search bar and that will come right up. And then you can listen wherever you are. Um, we know that we have people who listen in uh, Florida. We've had calls from Minnesota, California, and places where we're not on the air, but people tune in via the app. And they also go to our website. So you can go to gracefm.com and you can tune in there. You can click the button that says listen now. And wherever you are in the country or in the world, um, you can tune into this program and all the other programs on Grace FM by going to the website and getting the app. So, cool stuff. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And we're a church that loves the Word of God. We love to study His Word and we love to worship Him. We have uh, a great church, uh, great children's ministry, and great uh, things going on at our church. And if you are in the Longmont area, we would love for you to join us. So our website, you can find out more information there. It is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And we meet in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, just one block west of Main Street in downtown Longmont. 
at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is kind of a historic central building here in Longmont. And our church meets there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And if you're in Longmont or in the surrounding area, we would love to have you come join us and worship with us. Uh, we meet at 10 a.m. We have children's ministry for birth all the way up through 8th grade. High schoolers come into service with us, and they have a separate Bible study at our church office here in Longmont at uh, on Fridays at... Um, I believe it's 6.30. I don't ever attend it. That's why I don't know exactly. It's like either 6, 6.30 or 7. But you can find out that information and more on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM. We have a show that airs with our sermons cut for radio at 2.30 p.m. every weekday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So this past Sunday, we began a new series at our church called Remember the Prophets, and it's based on the idea uh, that we get from James in James chapter 5 verse 10 where he says remember the prophet and see them as examples study their lives and consider them as examples of those who endured with patience through suffering and so James is telling us you know don't just read the prophecies that the prophets wrote but also examine their lives consider their lives and so what we're doing in this series is we're looking for a few weeks at several of the Old Testament prophets and we're looking at their lives. We're looking at the times that they lived in, and we're considering their messages in light of the lives that they lived and the times that they lived in. So we began this past Sunday by looking at the book of Amos and this idea of, uh, which also comes from the epistle of James, that faith, true faith works, right? True faith works, and it responds to God when he calls. We see that Amos was an unlikely character, but he was called by an extraordinary God to do an amazing thing. And Amos to his great credit throughout history, he'll be remembered as the one who responded to God. He was not a professional prophet. He wasn't trained in the school of the prophets like many other prophets were at the time. Amos was a fig picker and a shepherd, but he responded to God. And though he was a despised person from the southern kingdom, he went and preached in the northern kingdom. And, uh, and he preached well, and God gave him an important message. So we had a great time studying Amos. That study's already up on our website. And so check that out or come join us if you live in Longmont or even any of the surrounding towns. We have plenty of people who drive in uh, from all directions to our church, and we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings. The website for that sermon and for everything else is whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, who is Julie, right here in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the program. Uh, Pastor Nick? Yes. Welcome yes. to the program. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I was having a hard time hearing the gentleman I was talking to. I have a book that I have questions about. Uh, it's called Living the Questions, the Wisdom of Progressive Christianity. And okay. I, I picked it up at the library book sale, and I'm wondering now. It, it I've glanced at it, and it seems uh, heretical. It's mm -hmm. by David Felton and Jeff Proctor Murphy. Have you heard of it? Are you aware of this progressive Christianity movement? Yes, of course I am. Um, and actually, I'm just looking at it on Amazon right now while we're talking. And I see some of the other authors on here. Uh, so, for example, it includes Marcus Borg and Brian McLaren. They're, they're two of the most well-known. Um, and, you know, they do fit into a certain genre of Christian thinking, which which in my opinion is not faithful Christian thinking. Uh, they they adhere to really a, um, yeah, so they discount really the, I guess you would call it the inspiration or the inerrancy of Scripture. 
Yeah, it, it seems like you know they're discounting the that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the books because sixty six books over that time frame is uh, incredible if it's human, and and they seem to emphasize the the, the humanness of the books and and are discounting the the Holy Spirit's inspiration. So yeah. I was just wondering whether I should toss this in the dumpster. <laughs> So my two cents, I'm going to say yes. I don't. Okay. I, I I wouldn't recommend anything by uh, Brian McLaren, Marcus Borg. I, I've never heard of the other two main authors, but just those two, seeing their names on there and being included, personally, I don't want anything to do with them. I've uh, I've studied Marcus Borg quite a bit in uh, seminary. Just um, read a lot of his writings, and yeah, he he falls into the category. You know, they like to use the term progressive Christianity, but I think I would use the term. It's just you know, plain old liberal Christianity in the sense that they are liberal theologically. They do not uh, have the same view of the scriptures that were held by the Jewish people. I think this is a really big one that a lot of their argument that they would make is that, you know, well, it's really uh, Mer American Christianity that should um, have that that tends to have such a conservative view of the Bible. Well, that's not true. The Jewish people had a conservative view of the Bible. There's a history throughout history of people actually believing that the Bible is true. And how can you call yourself a Christian and not believe that the Bible is true? I think that these people, what, they, what they've done is, on the one hand, they want to do something really good. And, and what's really good is that they want to emphasize, like you said, the, that the Bible was written by human beings. And in a sense, you know, if you can't touch something without getting your fingerprints on it, and that's the that's the big argument they make. However, w that the Bible actually addresses that in Second Peter chapter one. It talks about how God spoke through people, and He inspired them by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke as God gave them utterance. And what that means is that um, yes, there are the fingerprints of the authors are on the books that they wrote. You know, Paul wrote in a different way than Peter wrote and James wrote. And the um, Gospel of John was written. Yes. And those, yes. those reflect the fact that they were actual human beings who wrote these books and their personalities and their knowledge and all of these things influenced the way that they wrote. However, do we believe that God is powerful enough to communicate through them the message that he wants to be recorded for all of history? And the answer is, of course. Well, he's the creator. If he if he could speak the world into existence, he can certainly have these men write the truth, right? Regardless of the language they use, and it, it's interesting. There's a book by John Bevere. He he titles it "Good or God, God or Good," and as God says, there is no good thing in man. Uh, God is holy and uh we can only live by the light he gives us sure and now, we, can't, we can't we can't get from here to there on our own is what i'm trying to say yes yeah, certainly as not on our own we, yeah. as we know as we're yeah. taught okay well that that answers my question i i looked at this book and i thought it looks dangerous to me but i want to make sure yeah, it's only dangerous if you're not able to read it through a filter. You know, if you're not able to um, take it and spit out the seeds. But I also wonder if it's worth your time. 
So that's what I would say. It sounds like you're a discerning person. And this is the thing I always want to tell people is that our goal as Christians and as leaders, as Christian leaders, is not just to tell people, hey, don't touch that, don't uh, look at that, but it's to teach people above and beyond that something which is much more valuable, which is discernment, so that when they do look at it, they can decide for themselves because ultimately we want people to have their own relationship with God. We want them to grow and become smart and strong and wise. And so it sounds like, I hear that you do have some discernment. You were able to read this book and say, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't seem right. And that's good. We, w- we want people to do that. So I guess what I'm saying to you is um, beyond the point of discernment, since you've already discerned that this probably isn't helpful for you, the question is, is it worth your time? And it sounds, I mean, my opinion is no, it's not worth your time. From uh, good, reputable authors, you're right. I'm not going to waste my time. Thank you so much, Pastor. You bet. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or questions about things going on in your life, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to talk with you, answer those questions, and pray for you. Um, Just one last thought on that last caller. I mentioned that part of this book is that she mentioned about progressive Christianity was contributed to by Marcus Borg. He's the one that I'm most familiar with from reading things when um, I'm in seminary. And just a few words about Marcus Borg. He was part of the famous, or you might call it infamous, Jesus Seminar. And what they did with the Jesus Seminar is that they approached the Bible in what they would call a, a critical reading. Now, critical readings aren't always bad, so the word critical can sound like we're being critical of the Bible. Now, in their case, they actually were being critical of the Bible, but not all critical reading is bad, right? So, in, in their case, they what they would do is that they approached the Bible, and they approached it with a lot of presuppositions, and they let those presuppositions dictate which parts of the Bible they determined or deemed to be um, true, and which they deemed to be not true and kind of fallacies or made up or exaggerated. So, for example, they came to the Bible with this presupposition that when it talks about Jesus performing miracles, he didn't actually perform miracles. And their reason they said that was because, well, because miracles don't happen, because, you know, supernatural stuff doesn't exist. Now, that's a presupposition um, that they came to the Bible with. And so they read the Bible in light of their presuppositions. And so... It's a, it's a very flawed thing, but they come across as very, um, you know, having a lot of authority and knowing what they're talking about, and they speak with a lot of confidence, and they speak in a way that makes it seem like people who don't agree with them are maybe uninformed. But the fact is that uh, the Jesus Seminar at one time had a lot of um, credit to it. A lot of people bought into what they were saying, and that is less and less the case. So over the last especially 50 years since the Jesus Seminar um has to, so the Jesus Seminar started in the 1800s and then was carried on again into the 20th century. But then, you know, over the last few years, we've had a revival of what you call conservative theology, uh, people who basically believe that what the Bible says is true, and they would argue against people like Marcus Borg. So my two cents, uh, when it comes to these people, uh, Marcus Borg, Brian McLaren, this whole progressive Christianity movement, it's have some discernment. So I don't want to tell you don't touch this book, don't read it. But but here's what I say. It's really not worth your time. So I hope that helps uh, you, Julie, and anybody else listening. So let's go to our next caller. It's Mary in Pennsylvania. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? 
I was um, thinking last week uh, about a conversation I heard, and it, it made me wonder, is there any evidence in the Bible or explanations or suggestions as to why the serpent chose Eve, and does it indicate that Eve is more Eve and women in general are more easily deceived? Yeah, so the, there have been suggestions of that, and I'll give you a few examples, or at least one example. Um, yeah, I'm looking for it right now. Um, so Paul the Apostle talks about this in two places. I'm trying to find the, yep, here we go. Okay, here are the two places where it talks mm -hmm. about this. Uh, one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Now, I would say that, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Uh, I would say this one is not, not really what, it's, it, it's too vague to actually say that that's what it's saying, but I'll just read you the text. Here's what it says. Um, Paul is talking about false apostles, and he says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So it's really just a reference to the fact that Eve was deceived. But the verse that I wanted to show you was, First uh, Timothy chapter two verse fourteen. So let me go there real quick. Mm -hmm. And here's what it says. So Paul, in this context, he's saying um, about the role of women in the church, and he's saying, "For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor." So. That would be the passage that people point to because Paul is talking about the role of women in the church and that verse is alluding to the fact that Adam was not the one who was deceived but the woman was deceived. Uh, it's really an inference. It's not a direct statement but it's an inference that there was something about Eve that made her more susceptible to being um, deceived in that sense. And really what he's saying in this whole area is that he wants the leaders in the church, meaning the elders, um, to be those who lead and determine what doctrine is taught and those those things. So are women more susceptible? I, I don't know if I would say that categorically, but there was something about Eve and Paul ties that into the reasoning behind why perhaps God uh, dis determined that it should be men who serve in the role of elder and determining doctrine uh, in leading the church. Okay, that's interesting. Nothing, nothing in the Old Testament that, or no, there's nothing that I'm aware of. No, in the Old Testament. Um, in fact, I don't actually know of many places where Eve is mentioned outside of Genesis in the Old Testament. Um, but oh. Paul, Paul mentions her on these two occasions in the New Testament. Right. Yes, and you had made a comment last week about implicit and explicit um, information mm -hmm. uh, from the Bible. So, I mean, the fact that it was Eve who was deceived is maybe implicit information. <laughs> right, so there's an inference, and Paul makes the inference there in right. 1 Corinthians. Yeah. So would would that translate today as 
what you were just talking about conservative theology in that in that a conservative church would might not have women yeah so the so when I talk about conservative church, I'm not really talking conservative in the sense of that they're traditional, only merely in the sense that they're conservative in their their approach to the Bible, which is uh-huh. where if the Bible says something which is not very popular in today's um frame of being, you know um then we say, well, we're gonna go with what the Bible clearly says and right. and not just be swayed by the culture right so for right. We have 2,000 years of Christian history in which uh, Christians have read the, these passages, like in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul says that women should be the el- or, sorry, that men should be the ones who are elders in the church and that he does not permit a woman to ha- exercise that role of elder in the church, uh, of authority and of determining doctrine. We have 2,000 years of Christian history that say that uh, where Christians have read that and said something we call uh, just a technical term. It's called the perpiscuity of scripture, which simply means this, that when the Bible says something that we just take it at face value. Right. And so, um, you know, where he says, I do not permit a woman to be an elder in the church. We take that at face value, even though that's a very unpopular statement in our society (laughs) today. And, uh, and so that's what I mean when I talk about conservative theology It's people who are Mm -hmm. saying, okay, well, we are going to stick with this principle of perpiscuity of scripture and things that may not be popular. You know, and that that's true of, you know, right now there's this whole sexual revolution going on with uh, gender uh, issues and with, um, with sexual identity. And, um, you know, there's a very, is a ton of pressure on churches to change their stances. But right. we also have 2,000 years of church history where Christians have been reading the Bible and saying, well, this is what it means. And now in the last, you know, several years, very short period of time, relatively, there's been all this cultural pressure to change that. And uh, conservative Christians are the ones who are saying, no, you know what, we're going to let the Bible be the arbiter of what we uh, believe and what we practice, not just the ever-changing mood of the culture that we're in. Correct. And I, I agree with that. And it's essential, I believe, in maintaining the integrity of the church in general. Yeah, I agree. And it's part of taking God's word seriously. And, and here's the big part that I, here's how one way I would frame it is that we let the word of God judge us rather than us becoming judges of the word of God. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree. And, uh, I'm, I'm reading a book, um, the will of a man and the way of a woman. So it's, I've been thinking a lot about the differences of, of men and women and inner and, and how we interact with each other and the really very different ways that we have Hmm. and learning and, and learning to respect that. And, and it's, it's the whole gender thing is getting so blurred and out of control really yeah yeah but, you know I, i've been reading a book recently uh, the author is not a christian but he refers to the bible a lot he's a canadian uh, writer and he's he's quite popular right now but what he's been writing about is 
that he would actually say that even from, you know, because there's this big push right now to say that gender is a social construct, right? In other right. words, you only think the way you do because your society and the other people around you think that way. Um, yeah. But he's saying, no, this is actually a biological thing. Like it can be proven biologically. And the fact that, um, you know, like, for example, that Christianity and the Bible, they have always said this. I mean, we should take we should not discount that. That, that really the view that's being held right now, that gender is something you, you pick and choose and it's socially determined, is really a very recent view. It doesn't have the history behind it. It doesn't have the weight behind it. So I, I agree with you. I think that there are uh, differences. But but I will just say one thing, and this is that, that, um, that I think that as Christians, we want to always be, in a way, listening, right? So there there are times, like like I've had people tell me, well, you know, there were times in history where Christianity uh, had a view of women that really did not help women. Now, there were times I get you could really make the case and I do make the case that Christianity uh, upheld the role of women and promoted the role of women in the world, and especially in the ancient world, and that women, their place in the world today and being seen as equal in value to men is something that Christianity always taught, and it was for all absolutely revolutionary from day one. You know, that, that's found yeah. in Ephesians chapter 2, right? That there's no difference between uh, male and female, slave and free, Gentile and Jew. And that's really, really important. Um, but on the other hand, you know, yes, there, there were times, like in the Middle Ages especially, where, you know, the role of women was suppressed by the church. And so there's a sense in which um, we as Christians, we want to be open to, if the culture comes back and says to us something which actually aligns with Scripture more than, more than it doesn't, we should be the first ones to affirm that. So when somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, women should be paid the same amount as men for doing the same job, I think as Christians we need to say, yeah, we totally agree with you. Like, absolutely. They're doing the same job. They should be paid the same amount, right? So it's stuff like yeah. that where we, um, we, want to, we want to jump on board with that. Anything that aligns with our biblical values. But when the Bible says something, and maybe it's not popular in our society today, I think that as Christians, to have integrity, we have to say, okay, we choose to believe the Bible. That's the directing uh, force in our life. Right. Yes. And I, I was just curious, since I'm fairly new with with the Bible in particular, in in reading more than just verses out of context. I was just wondering, you know, if there was anything more um, definitive in in the Bible somewhere that would establish some let's you know establish that particular thought i had but yeah. um yeah well, certainly i mean there probably are but a lot of them will be inferred like we talked about earlier you know you can see different gender roles you know but it's important to remember that men and women are both created in the image of god and so women uh will have certain in their gender uniqueness there are parts of their gender uniqueness which is going to reveal some aspects of who God is, you know, and that's why Jesus says, you know, like a mother hen desires to gather her chicks together, so I desired to gather you together, but you would not come. You know, it talks in the Old Testament, that idea of uh, a mother, God, you know, God being likened to a mother who wants to hold her child and 
Uh, it says, you know, will I forget you like a mother who nurses a baby cannot forget yes. the baby at her breast. So there are aspects of, of both genders which reveal to us part of the character of God. But yes, there are different roles. Oh, and different I identify with that very much. I have five daughters. And, oh, wow. Uh, well, and now, sorry to interrupt you. but ha- And now I have four grandsons. So <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Uh, That's awesome. Curiosity to me, boys. They are. <laughs> well, and, uh, we're going to break now, and so I need okay. to let you go. But hey, thank you for your call and great discussion. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've reached the mid-show break. We've got a couple callers on the line, but you can still call in. The number is three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. You're listening to Calvary Live, and we'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request or would like advice about something happening, we would love to talk with you and answer some of those questions and pray for you. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Carla in Colorado Springs. Hi, Carla. Welcome to the program. Hello, Nick. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's going on? Well, I'm I'm a new Christian, and I had an acquaintance, not necessarily a friend, just an acquaintance. Um, we would exchange gifts, you know, if, if it was this person's birthday, I would get them something, you know, Christmas, that sort of thing. They're not really friends. Mm-hmm. And this person purchased a gift for me, a piece of jewelry, Mm -hmm. and this was before I found out exactly what this person believed. Um, And our belief system is as far as the East is from the West. It's uh, This person believes that not only was Jesus not the Son of God, but that Jesus himself was not a man, that Jesus was a planet, i.e. Jupiter. Okay. I'm not—I don't want to offend this person and return the gift, Um, and I don't want to be self-righteous and say, because we have different belief systems, very different belief systems, Mm -hmm. um— that I'm returning this gift. I would I would never offend like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure, should I keep it? Should I donate it? Should I leave the situation alone? Because, again, I don't want to be a self-righteous, holier-than-thou type of person, because I, I know my shortcomings, I know my sins, I know my belief system before I came to know the Lord. Is there anything particularly, let's say, 
religious or, you know, having to do with astrology that, like in the piece of jewelry? Or is it just like a normal piece of decorative jewelry? It's, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not real sure. It's, uh, it's definitely not an astrological piece, um, even though this person believes in that as, as well. It's, it's a, um, it's a Native American piece. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so I would say, you know, if there is something that you find offensive about the piece, especially as a Christian, then I don't think you need to feel any need to wear it, um, and I think you would probably have the freedom to get rid of it if you wanted to. I think, on the other hand, if you if, if there's something about it that you're like, I just, this doesn't mesh with what I believe, I don't really want it, um, and you don't want to offend the person, I think you would be fine with getting rid of it. And, um, you know, if it was something of, of value, like great value, something expensive, and that person might want it back so they could give it to someone else, that would be my only thought. And I think there's something kind about that. And I think that, I think that honesty can be really helpful. And I think that it is possible to be honest without being, without coming across as condescending. Because I, I hear that. That's your heart. You know, you don't want to be self-righteous. And I, I appreciate that about you. I, um, I would just say, I think that there's a way to be honest without being self-righteous. And, um, you know, if it is something that that person might appreciate having back because it costs money, then I would say, offer it back to them and say, hey, you know, I'm probably not going to wear this. And, you know, I don't think we should continue this relationship. And just say, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, self-righteous. I'm not trying to be rude. I just... You know, as a person who has a limited amount of time, I don't see this relationship as being beneficial, and I don't see it as having a future. So for the sake of both of our times, uh, I think that we should not continue this. See, another thing that's, that's weighing on my heart about this situation is this person has told me that there are approximately four people in this person's life that claim to be Christians and, you know, for lack of a better term, walk the walk and talk the talk. And I happen to be one of them. And I mean, for me, that's a lot of pressure because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not this perfect person. I'm really not. Mm. I'm, you know, I understand that we have different beliefs, but I want you to know that not all Christians are what this person thinks they are, you know, self-righteous, hypocrites, who walk one way and talk another. Yeah. Yeah, so I would I would tell you, be honest with this person, but also, you know, weigh, weigh that with, you know, we want to speak the truth, but we want to do it in love. And so that's how I would encourage you to approach this person. Don't, um, you know, if there, if it would, if you think it would hurt the situation more for you to give the piece back. To me, it just sounds like it's a piece of jewelry that doesn't necessarily represent anything beyond that. And I would say either stash it away somewhere and uh, and hang on to it, or you could offer it back if you think that person would actually appreciate it back. I think, that, I think you have some freedom there to do either of those. And it sounds to me like your heart's in the right place. Well, thank you for that. I, I just have a worry that if I do approach this person, because this, this person seems very frail, mm. so to speak. I mean, as far as 
belief systems go. And I'm, I'm worried that if I approach this person, even in love, and say, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with this, my worry is, oh, why am I not surprised? Another Christian, another, you know, let down. So I kind of I kind of feel pressure. I kind of feel pressure to be a decent Christian to her. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So let me let me pray for you, and I'll just pray for you to have wisdom in the situation, know how to navigate it, and that God would use you in this person's life. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Carla, and I just ask for you to give her so much wisdom in navigating this situation. It sounds like she really wants to be salt and light and to be a person on mission with you in regard to this other person in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that you give her wisdom with how to approach this, how to speak to this person, and maybe how to broach some of these subjects and um, and treat this relationship in a way that really she can she can help change the spiritual viewpoint of this person, Lord, help them to see Jesus, Lord, you, Jesus, as the, the true and great hero of, of the story of this world and the true and only Savior. So, Lord, I pray that uh, you would use Carla to help her friend understand the gospel and that um, that you give her wisdom with how to navigate this gift-giving situation, too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. you I bet. appreciate that. You bet. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, uh, Daniel in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, Pastor Nick? Doing well. What's up? Good. So my question is, so I'm kind of going through the Bible, like really going through it for my first time. I've always, I mean, my mom's always taking me to church and stuff like that. But now that I'm an adult, I'm kind of going through the Bible more in depth and trying to actually like read and understand everything. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what my first question is, I got two questions for you. Um, my first okay. question is in Genesis 8, uh, chapter 21 through 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Genesis 8, sorry, verse 21 and 22. Um, he talks about, or they talk about how um, Jesus isn't going to come, and or he already. Sorry, I want to try and pull up the verse exactly real quick, um, or if you guys have it. Basically, sure, my question is, is, and he ta- in there he talks about how he's not going to cleanse the earth again. Basically, after he did um, with the ark and Noah and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if when he says that, I'm questioning is how come he there's going to be the apocalypse and all that if he said in there he's not going to um cleanse the earth or anything again after that yeah he says i won't curse the ground because of man for the intention of his heart is evil from his youth and then he puts the rainbow in the sky as the promise that he will not destroy the earth again uh, mm-hmm. But we do know, like, for example, Peter writes this in his epistle. He says, or one of his epistles, he says that the earth will dissolve with fire. And so mm-hmm. what we know is that the uh, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And so ultimately the earth will be completely destroyed in the end. But see, that's uh, Jesus, it's, it's God's promise that he's not going to do it again until the renewal of all things, which will come uh-huh. at the time when everything ends. Right, so this world that we live in will reach an end. And actually, um, I mean, if you were to take it from just a purely scientific point of view, 
the sun is losing energy, right? And so the sun is losing energy. So it's really a matter of time before the sun loses energy and this world will be destroyed. So even science would say, well, that's absolutely true. Now, we don't know when that will be. We probably expect it to happen uh, sooner than just the sun getting cold. You know, we right. see the, the earth will be destroyed by fire. So, um, and it will cease to be. And then God will create a new heavens and a new earth at the end of all things. So I don't think those two are in contradiction with each other. I think the point is that there's never going to be another natural disaster that is going to, you know, kill everybody on the earth again. Natural disasters after that point are going to be localized. Um, they're going to be, you know, smaller in scale. And I think that we can see that. You know, while there might be an increase, it says in the end times there will be an increase in the number of uh, catastrophes like earthquakes and things like that. Uh, yet nothing will ever be of the same scale as the time when God brought judgment on the earth through a, a flood like that. Does that make sense? Fine. Now, while I have you real quick, if I can just ask you one more quick question. Um, in, in Genesis, it all talks about how Adam and Eve were the only humans, um, and then they had Cain and Abel. Um, and then the whole thing happened with them, and then Cain left and went out, and he found a wife and had kids. How did he find a wife if they were the only people on earth at the time? Yeah, very very common question, very good question. But it also, um, again, this is one where even people who believe in a, uh, let's say, evolutionary anthropology, purely evolutionary, right, like um, God, like they don't even believe in God at all, they would, they would agree with this statement as well, that everybody knows... Uh, even if you look at genetics and all these things, everybody agrees that all human beings on the earth today, no matter what race, no matter um, you know what part of the world they're from, we all descend from two common ancestors. And mm -hmm. so that means that no matter whether you take the Bible story to be true, which of course I do, and I hope you do too, but right. even if you take a you know completely you know non-biblical view of the of the origin of man, everybody would agree with this same statement that in the beginning, the first couple had kids and those kids had to marry each other. And then those kids' kids had to marry their cousins because those are the only but, people around. But it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say anything about Adam and Eve having a daughter before Cain got married. It, That's in, true. And so, you, you know, the assumption it seems that you're making is that just because it doesn't say that they had other kids means that they didn't have other kids. But remember that God had given them a mandate to be fruitful and multiply and have a lot of kids. Really, right. remember that the stories in the Bible are what we call, they're didactic. In other words, they're not just there to tell us history. They're there to tell us history for a reason that we can learn from. And so uh, when, okay. when we talk about Cain and Abel, we're talking about the, what's the point of that story? Is it true? Yes, absolutely. It's historically true. But here's the other point. Here's why it doesn't tell us about the, the other kids they had because we need to learn something from the fact that Cain killed his brother Abel. And that's why it tells us that story. That's why it tells us that then they had another kid named Seth. And it doesn't right. just say that, hey, they had a kid, end of story. It says they had a kid named Seth. And at that time, people began worshiping the Lord. And out of Seth comes this family uh, line of people who actually follow God and walk with God. And, um, okay. and so, so that really, that's, that's all I would want you to understand is that just because it doesn't tell us that they had kids doesn't mean that they didn't have kids. Okay. And that so for sense. example, throughout Genesis, you'll notice this Genesis, look at Genesis chapter five. It's this chapter of genealogies. And it says that this person gave birth to this person 
and then he did this and this and this, and he had a son named this, and then he lived this long, right. and then they all died, right? Well, do you think that these people only had one kid? I mean, in the ancient huh. world, we know that it was actually more common for people to have they larger families. Than, yeah, if you're living for 300 years, you're probably going to have more than one kid, right? So right. Uh, huh. the point is that why does it not tell us? Because the Bible isn't, the, especially the Old Testament, is not aiming to give us straight history for history's sake. It's giving us the history of a particular line. And that's why it's really important to understand that the Bible uh-huh. is not just, again, history or just random stories. It is laser focused on telling the story of redemption through Jesus Christ. Okay. That makes a lot of sense when you put it like that. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah I was my stuck pleasure. on that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that was, my, that was my only question for you, so thank you so much. I really, really appreciate awesome. you. Thanks for the call. For yeah. My pleasure. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. While I've got you here, before we go to our next caller, I want to take the opportunity to invite you to join us at the church that I pastor here in Longmont, Whitefields Community Church. You can find out uh, information about us online on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Also, you can look us up. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all kinds of social media. And uh, and so you can you can listen to us on our podcast. If you have the podcast app, just go in there and type in Whitefields Community Church. And you'll pull up our sermons. You'll be able to listen to us and keep up with our sermons there. And if you're in the area, in the Longmont area, or any of the surrounding towns within driving distance, we'd love for you to join us for worship on Sunday morning. We meet at 10 a.m. at the St. Vrain Memorial Building in downtown Longmont. We're at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which means that we are one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, so downtown Longmont, right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So 10 a.m., we have a great children's ministry, great worship ministry, and we'd love for you to be part of what God's doing at Whitefields. Let's go to our next caller, Dalton in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Dalton. Welcome hey. to the program. How are you doing? Doing great. Um, so I, I'm just calling for a little bit of life advice. Uh I recently, it's actually last night, my one of my ex-girlfriends um, reached out to me, and um, I believe we have mutual feelings for each other still, um, mm-hmm. but we parted ways uh, before because of our beliefs. I believe she has like a new age kind of belief, Okay. Um, and I, I'm, I'm Christian, and you know, um, so she, she believes in energy and kind of like um, God lives in, like you are God or something. I don't know. It, specifics of that doesn't really matter, but the, um, the main thing is, like, we parted ways because of that, and um, she reached out to me, and I I really want to, like, I, as much as I don't want to, um, I I know we probably the wise decision would be not to get back together or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, and especially because, like, I don't want her to feel forced to believe the way I do, but I also want to be equally yoked and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I just believe that's what God wants us to do. Um, so anyways, uh, long story short, I, I feel like I don't, I didn't really get a whole lot of closure mm. when things happened. And so I, I want to meet up with her and kind of uh, talk to her about 
where we stand and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was just hoping for like verses for encouragement or anything like that. Cause I don't really want it was um, it kind of after that relationship, I kind of felt from God a little bit. And I'm actually still feeling like I'm working my way back up to it yeah. where I was before and stuff like that. So uh, I, I was just curious about verses and uh, any advice on how you would handle that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, how, how you would approach it. Sure. Um, well, let me start off by telling you kind of a story. Well, actually, let me let me tell you the verses, a few verses, real quick. Then I'll tell you a story. Okay. So, Second um, Corinthians chapter six is is what you're referring to, where it talks about how we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And and you know what that verse is referring to is how what they would do, especially in kind of days gone by, right? Is that you would take a wooden yoke and you'd put it on two animals and they would it would tie them together but the purpose of the yoke was to pull a plow it was to do a job right and so you know i mean you can just imagine the story what happens if you put a donkey and an ox in a yoke together well it's not going to fit right and guess what will happen it'll actually hurt both of the animals uh, they will be pulling at different speeds they're different sizes they're they're not supposed to be put in that kind of situation and um, not only that, it will make it harder for them to do the job or go in the direction that they're called to be in. And so Jesus says an interesting thing, right? He says, take my yoke upon yourself. In other words, what does that mean? Again, that picture of a yoke being an object that ties two oxen together. He's calling you to come and pull his plow together with him. You know, he says, hey, this is what I'm doing. You join with me. Be joined to me and let's pull this thing together. And that's a really cool picture. But it, it does give us a ton of insight into what it means to be unequally yoked and why it's a bad idea. And this is what I'll tell you is that uh, when when you're younger, and I, I remember myself being younger at that time um, when I was more tempted by this stuff, is that, you know, it seems like, hey, man, what a bummer that, you know, the Bible seems to be getting in the way of two people who have genuine feelings for each other. And if I would say, yeah, we don't right. discount the fact that you have feelings for each other, but understand this, as life goes on, you, those differences in what you believe are going to become so pronounced and acute because see what you believe determines how you live. It determines the way that you react in certain situations. It determines how you deal with stress. It determines how you raise your children. And I've seen people who are unequally yoked and, um, you know, they, they've stayed faithful to their commitment to their spouse, which is also honorable and biblical. But they will tell you that, yeah, it, it was it's been really hard because of that. And that, you know, uh, yeah, we had feelings for each other. But, you know, life goes beyond just those feelings of affection and interest that that people genuinely do have. And so the Bible is giving us really good advice. And I would say it's actually compassionate advice that God really wants this for your sake, that you would have a good life. But also that, you know, God, you know, God calls us into himself, but then he also calls us out in mission. So to be called in to a relationship with God then is also to be called out onto mission with God. It's that idea. God's calling you to, you know, yoke up and pull this pull his plow and do his work in the world. And you're not going to be able to do that as effectively um, and with little pain, right? If you're yoked yeah. to someone who's unequal in the sense of, of that. Now, I'll give you a little story real quick. Is that when I was 16 years old, the way that I really became a committed, devoted Christian was that there was a, a girl that I went to high school with. 
she was a Christian, born again, walking with the Lord, and I was not, and I was not walking with the Lord, and not born again, and I asked her out, and she told me, you know, I really like you, because we were, we were good friends. She said, I really like you, but we can't be together because I'm a Christian and you're not. Now, at the time, I thought I was a Christian, actually, right? But she pointed out a verse to me from the Bible, which was uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, where Jesus says, On that day, many will come to me and they will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And, and you know, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. Go away from me, you workers of evil. And she said, look at the situation here. These people will stand before God one day and they will think that they knew God and God will say, no, we never had a relationship. And she said, well, isn't that you, that you think you know God, but you don't actually have a relationship with God. If you were to stand before God, would he say this of you? I never knew you. And I knew in the moment that she said it, that she was right. And it ended up leading me down a path. Now we never got together, but it, it led me down a path of of actually really wrestling with that question. And God used her in my life by her telling me that she was not willing to be unequally yoked, that was really the catalyst in my life that began this process through which I became a committed, devoted, born-again Christian. And so I would just encourage you with that, that you know, the fact that you have conviction and are unwilling to compromise, that's actually a very powerful thing. And who knows, maybe that's going to be something that God uses in her life. So I would say, if you meet with her, be strong. And stick to your guns and and tell her that, hey, yeah, I do have feelings for you, but I understand that there's something more important than that in my life. And that is that uh, I am a Christian and I have a calling from God to live for him and live unto him. And I want to do what the Bible says. And you could tell her, you know, hey, I would I really want you to consider Jesus and reconsider these things that you believe. And if you're not willing to do that, I mean we just can't be together. Right. So. And that's the hard part for me, I think, is because like I wouldn't, I have a hard time trying to, because in my eyes, it, it seems like if I were to say something like that, or like I even found a guy on YouTube who used to be a new age uh, believer, believed that way, and he was actually super successful and everything. Um, and the way uh, I listened to his testimony, the way he described it was basically that he had all these possessions and everything, and everything was going well, but he just still felt empty, and then one day he found Jesus. And I'd like to share those with her, but at the same time, like I said, in in my eyes, it almost feels like I'm I'm using um, or using like I want to be with you as leverage to check this out, and I, it's almost I feel like it might be kind of unfair or just I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You don't want to kind of twist your arm into it or something like that. And I want yeah. to do it. I want to make sure she does it for herself and not for me. You know, it's her relationship with God, not mine. For sure. And I mean, in my case, that that's what happened with this girl is that she, you know, when I did come to her several months later and say, hey, you know what? I, I have committed my life to the Lord. <laughs> that's exactly what she thought I was doing. She thought I was just doing it for her. And uh, and but but I didn't really care at that point because I'm like, hey, well, you know, I have you know, come into this relationship with God. I don't really care what you think, if it's genuine or not. And uh, But now, years later, I was able to reach out to her a few years ago and just say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you did. You know, thank you for saying that and not compromising your convictions because that uh, was shocking and hurtful for a moment. 
But in the long run, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, hey, let me pray for you as, as you okay. uh, walk through this. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Dalton. I thank you for his heart to, to really uh, walk with you and do what you want uh, him to do in this situation. And, Lord, I pray for him. I, 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 my heart goes out to people who have genuine feelings for each other, and yet uh, it's, it's unwise for them to be together. Lord, I pray for him that you would give him the amount of compassion and wisdom to be able to do this right. Uh, I pray you give him strength in his conviction. And Lord, as he has come to you and he's walking with you and pursuing you, Lord, would you strengthen him in that? Would you encourage him in that? Would you surround him with people who can encourage him in his faith, a community of believers uh, in which he can grow and become stronger? And Lord, I just pray for this relationship. Lord, I pray that you would lead him the right person in the right time who is going to be that person he can be equally yoked with and they can pull together in the same direction pursuing Jesus. And whether that's this person or it's somebody else, Lord, give him just that sense of contentment in waiting on you and doing what is uh, right in your eyes. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you, Dalton. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We have reached the end of our program. Now we're in the last uh, 30 seconds of the show. Thanks for tuning in today. You can tune in every weekday for Calvary Live from 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Check out our uh, stuff online that I was telling you about, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also check out my uh, blog, nickcady.org. Love to connect with you in those ways as well. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.